Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Welcome to Football is Family, a podcast dedicated to the fan and fan experience. My name is Jeremy McFarland, and I want to look at the positive behind what makes football so enjoyable to watch and follow. I want to know why you are a fan of your team, of a player, or an era of football. Whether the pros, college, or high school, I want to hear and share your stories and your love for the game. If you want to be part of this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarlane, or on Facebook at the Footballist Family Facebook page. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. We'd like to welcome everybody back to the Footballist Family podcast. And tonight's not going to be that long of a show um, I say tonight, it's 8.40 when I'm recording. But anyway, tonight's not going to be that long of a show. But what I want to do tonight is to give love out to one of the most underrated players of all time. Being a Titans fan, again, I make no joke or no, uh, I don't cover that up. It's it's Tennessee or bust this year. I'm feeling a lot of bust potential, but still, you love your team. I am aware of several players who came through uh, the two-tone blue that, for me, I remember and I watched and I followed. I bought the jerseys. I got their cards, that sort of stuff. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was up in Nashville at McKay's. And if you know what McKay's is, it's a used bookstore. And they had over in the corner a season ticket holder gift that were given out to Titans season ticket holders and they were bobbleheads and I saw one it was Frank Wycheck and I said I have to have it and I bought it and now I'm looking at it I took it out of the box I know that's against the rules you don't take things out of the box but I did I have them up and Frank Wycheck number 89 he is one of the reasons why uh, I enjoyed uh, playing Madden growing up because he was on there and I always thought if I have to keep players on the Titans. I kept Steve McNair. I kept Eddie George. I kept Frank Wycheck. I kept Javon Curse. In fact, those four players right there, I still own their jerseys from when they first came to Tennessee. In fact, I have the Eddie George jersey hanging up in my office. It's autographed. I got the Frank Wycheck, Javon Curse, Steve McNair in a box that I'm not touching. But I had to have Frank Wycheck. Uh, and if anybody knows, I think it was Madden 2000 or 2001, the next year, once you play the Titans, the next year you hit uh, salary cap purgatory. So you have to start cutting people pretty quick. And I realized that I can't keep everybody, uh, but I kept the guys that I needed. But once you, once you have to go through all that, Frank Wycheck was one of the guys that I wanted, that I wanted to keep. Now, Frank Wycheck, number 89, like I said, is not looked upon as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. In fact, 
And uh, I'm looking at Athlon Sports. They did one of the 25 greatest tight ends of all time. And Frank Wycheck is not on there. Um, in stadiumtalk.com, which I'm looking at right now, they ranked Frank Wycheck as number, let me get up here, number 33. I would say that's about right. Um, I would put him just a bit higher. And here's why. Uh, if you look at tight ends back in the 60s, you have Mike Dicka and people like that, Bob Trumpy. Later on, you get to Kellen Winslow Sr. You get some people like that. It wasn't until the late 90s, early 2000s, until now especially, uh, where you have Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and Rob Kinkowski, like we have right now, and several other tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and men like that, who are Delaney Walker would be one of the guys that is under undervalued, but you would look, you can't look much past him as a good player, good solid player. Most tight ends during the 50s and 60s were, were considered an extension of the offensive line. They would line up over uh, on the outside of a of a of a tackle. And if you were going to run that direction, you would maybe put a tight end. You would have a lot of blocking tight ends. These are men that were a little bit bigger than wide receivers, a little bit stronger, and they would put them as a blocking tight end. It wasn't until I would say the AFL started to do it, but then you started seeing more pass-friendly league in the late 70s, early 80s, until the 90s, Mark Navarro for the Giants, people like that, um, that you started to see people passing to the wide to the tight ends. So if you were to go and take the rankings or the stats of people who played in the 60s and 70s and compare them to, to today, there's no comparison. You actually pass a whole lot more than you run. And you throw to a wide receiver back in the 60s and 50s and 70s more than you throw to the tight ends. Okay, so don't look at somebody and say, well, you'll have four or 500 less receiving uh, receptions than this guy, so you must be worse. No, they were just used different. It was more of a running league. The glamorous players were the running backs. They were the ones that would get the vast majority of the run or the, the offensive plays. They're the ones that were going to go out there and do the grunt work and get the yards and get the touchdowns. You know, you have your Frank Giffords in the 50s. In the 60s, you have several different players. You know, you get go up to the 80s, you had Walter Payton. Uh, in the 90s, you had Emmett Smith. But you start to see, uh, you start to see a lot of people and a lot of offensive coordinators starting to use the tight end as another uh, wide receiver. You start to see men who are athletic, like an Antonio Gates, who played basketball in college. Well, that guy is athletic. He can jump out the roof of any building. You're not going to cover him very well. You have Tony Gonzalez, who not only was athletic, but was strong and fast and could cover a lot of areas and played for a very long time. Now you have uh, you, Jeremy Shockey, one of my favorite players, was a great, gritty player, could do a lot of things, maybe not the fastest guy, but was strong and could go over the middle and could extend the defense out. We're no longer you you would have to no longer could you consider a, a tight end part of the offensive line. Now you had to put a linebacker or a defensive back on the, the tight end as they branched out and do part of the routes, the, the receiving routes. 
Frank Wojciech came about. Here's what I found. And that's my that's my uh, Siri or, or whatever it is talking to me. Um, Frank Wojciech came about during this time of change. He was from the University of Maryland, drafted by the Washington Redskins, 93-94. Didn't do much. In fact, I'm looking at his stats right now from statmuse.com. He had 16 and 7 receptions in 93-94. 16 and 93, 7 and 94. Was sent to Houston. Now, remember, Tennessee was originally the Houston Oilers. Okay, they were originally the, the uh, Love You Blue. In the Oilers world, you had a running mentality. In fact, during this time, you started to have a whole lot more running with the Oilers because they had people like Eddie George. And Dad Gummit, if you got Eddie George, you're going to run the ball. So passing wasn't that big of a deal. But if you notice, though, he he was very durable. In fact, by the way, 95 through nine, uh, 2001, he played 16 games every year. That's pretty durable for a tight end. He had 40 receptions, 53 receptions, 63 receptions. This is insane for a uh, for a tight end. 70 receptions in 98. I started to pay attention to the Titans in 97 when they started when they were over in Memphis. In 98, they came here. 99, 2000, Tennessee was a bust. I mean, we saw the Titans go from a vagabond uh, team to the Super Bowl, one yard short. Guess who got them there? Eddie George, Steve McNair, Kevin Dyson, Frank Wojcik. In 2000, 70 receptions. In 2001, 60. In 2002 and 2003, uh, injury started catching up with him. He had 40 and 17 receptions. He ended his game, his career, with 505 receptions for 5,126 yards and 28 touchdowns. That, according to, again, let's go over here to look at stadiumtalk.com. Um, he is one of at this time that they wrote this, he is one of just a few people in NFL history of tight ends with 500 or more receptions. Very limited. Of course, in this one, it's seven. I did not check how many it is right now. But according to this, this particular article, seven tight ends with 500 or more receptions. Now, that obviously has changed and will change because tight ends are going – you got George Kittle. you got Tra- Travis Kelsey – You've got so many men now who are going to just abol- just demolish the 500. 500 receptions is not going to be much of anything. But at the time Frank Wojcik was playing, 500 receptions was a lot. But the one thing – well, I, actually, I'll say this. There's two things that I remember most about Frank Wojcik. He's still alive. He's, uh, his health is not that great, but he's still alive. Number one, he is the first Titan that I got to meet face-to-face where I got his autograph. Um, I looked at it like this. They were meeting. They were they allowed fans to come in and go to their training camps, and I brought a bunch of cards, but Frank was the one I wanted. So he was standing just a few feet away from me, and I thought, I'm taller than most of these people. My arm 
It's longer than most of these people. So I reached over. I said, Frank, he turned around, grabbed my card, signed it, and I got it. It's one of the things. It's not worth anything. But to me, it's a lot because it's Frank Wachek, my favorite Titan, one of my top three favorite Titans of all time. Um, I got his autograph. But the number two thing that I remember most about him, and Buffalo fans, you're not going to like this, but he is the the person who threw the lateral pass. He didn't throw a forward pass. He threw a lateral pass to, to Kevin Dyson that started the Music City Miracle. It was Lorenzo Neal who received the ball but took it to Wycheck, and Wycheck threw it across to Kevin Dyson. We don't always think about that because if you see the Music City Miracle, you probably see Kevin Dyson running down the field. It was Frank Wycheck who threw the pass that made it legal. Now, why am I bringing up Frank Wycheck today? Well, number one, I wanted to talk about the guy. But number two, I don't think he'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. I just don't think he will. I don't think he had, in our pass-happy society now, I don't think he had the gaudy numbers to stand up. But Frank Wycheck is a guy that shows you a transition. It's a transition from a run-first offensive mentality to a pass-first offensive mentality. When that happened and quarterbacks started to be able to pinpoint where they wanted to throw the ball, like a Patrick Mahomes can do now, Josh Allen, those, those kind of guys, they looked at their wide receiver number one, wide receiver number two, wide receiver number three, and they thought if we could get a receiver who plays tight end, who can block and catch, then we'll have a dual threat that can come out and line up in, in as wide receiver or can line up in the offensive on the offensive line and block. Frank Wycheck was one of the pioneers of that type of thought. Kellen Winslow wasn't a blocker as much as he was a patch catcher. Mike Ditka could catch passes, but Dalgona, he could block. Frank Wycheck blended those two, and he was a pioneer. I think he's underrated. I think he's one of those guys that if you were to look at it, yeah, he will never make the Hall of Fame. But he's a guy that needs to get a lot more respect for what he was willing to do and what he could do. Y'all have a great evening. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time on the Football's Family Podcast. And we have a new sponsor here at the Football's Family Podcast. It's Manscaped. Support for the Football's Family Podcast podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code FAMILY at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and, oh man, is it a game changer. Inside the package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver, Revival Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and I dare say the greatest ball trimmer ever. 
Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and it also has a 400K LED spotlight you need for a more precision shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Now you thought that was good, but wait till you take your grooming game to another level. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Hair Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary safe skin technology, which help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code FAMILY. That's get 20% off and free shipping with code FAMILY at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool with Manscaped. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.